listening to SBS On The Money with Ricardo Gonsalves. Hi everyone, it's your daily 10-minute business and finance news wrap for this Thursday, the 27th of May 2021. Later, Australia's richest are getting richer. We'll take a look at the Financial Review's Rich List 200. But first, we speak with the CEO of a rapidly growing Australian technology company, Tritium makes long-range electric car chargers for vehicles. It's based in Brisbane and it's just signed a huge deal which we'll see at least in the United States. For more, I spoke with its CEO, Jane Hunter. Jane, not everyone would have heard of your company. Can you tell us more about it? Yeah, absolutely. So Tritium makes fast DC chargers for electric vehicles. Uh, And so we design them, we sell them, we build them and we support them in the field. And we're actually one of the only, and and certainly after this deal, I think we'll be the only publicly listed pure play fast DC charger OEM uh, in the world at that particular point. Uh, And for your audience who may not know, a fast DC charger for an electric vehicle is anything over 50 kilowatts. So there's slow chargers, slow AC chargers, and a fast DC charger, the way to think of it is that for a 50 kilowatt charger, you get 50 kilometres of range in about 10 minutes. And 175, you get 175 kilometres of range in about 10 minutes. So, uh, and we make up to 350. So you can get 350 kilometres of range in about 10 minutes into your car. How many of these charges are available worldwide? We've deployed about 4,400 across 41 countries. So we're very global. We're mainly an exporter. Uh, of our products, we send 93 to 5% of them overseas, which is a fantastic Australian story because, of course, we bring in euro and USD into Australia. So 70% of our revenue comes from Europe, 30% of our revenue comes from North America, uh, actually 20% from North America and 10 from Asia Pacific. So you're, you're now set to list on the technology-based NASDAQ in the US. What can you tell me about the deal? Yeah, no, great question. So decarbonisation uh, has entered into a business combination agreement with Tritium and that's what we've announced. Uh, pursuant to that, the companies will combine and the post-close company will be an Australian-based company listed on the NASDAQ, still called Tritium. And the transaction reflects a pro forma enterprise value of USD $1.4 billion, uh, at $10 a share. And in Australia here, that makes us a double unicorn because the combined company value post money is 2.2 billion AUD or 1.7 USD, uh, which is very rare for Australia uh, and certainly we think of first for Brisbane. What will this cash injection allow you to do? Oh, it will be, it's, it provides all the cash we need on the balance sheet and more. Uh, we'll be able to do some unplanned accretive growth as well as what we need to do in terms of growth. It provides us with access to this large source of capital that we need to help compete globally because at the moment we have 20% of the European market, we have 15% of the North American market and 10% of Asia Pacific. And with this market growing at the CAGA that it is, all we actually need to do is hold on to that market share. But of course, we'd like to increase it uh, to be from number two to number one in the world. So with this 300 million USD to the pro forma balance sheet, we'll probably start with an expansion of our manufacturing capacity because we've got a lot of orders and we have backlog and we'd rather just be building without any backlog. I'd love to get your thoughts uh, on the general nature of of the sector. How do you feel Australia is going with the adoption of electric vehicles? Yeah, look, Australia has been slow, unfortunately, in terms of uptake. I think it's currently around 0.6% with America at 2, 2.5, uh, the UK closer to 5, and then European countries significantly higher than that, up near the 8 to 10 to 12 mark. So we are lagging uh, a number of other countries across the world. 
it, it is a pity to see that because Australians usually love advanced technology uh, and everyone who drives an EV without fail will tell you once you've driven one, you won't go back. So um, they are a great technology. Once you get into one, you can't, you can't imagine driving anything different. Um, and unfortunately with EVs, government policy does drive rapid uptake. So we don't necessarily advocate for subsidies, although, of course, that helps because in Australia, cars are very expensive. They make up a large part of people's annual salaries. People keep them for 10 years, and that is the fastest way to drive uptake. But we find subsidies can be quite divisive. So what we really advocate for is just clear messaging from government that this is the upcoming technology, that they're going to be supporting it so people know they're not going to buy a stranded asset or a technology that's not going to be supported by the government. That's really one of the only things that's required not to have blended technology messages about different technologies that could win because, unfortunately, that decision's already been taken. All of the OEMs who make cars across the world have shifted to EVs. Uh, there's only two companies still looking at hydrogen uh, passenger vehicles, so far as I know. There'll probably be a role in long haul for hydrogen and also, of course, in industry for hydrogen. Uh, but the OEMs who make cars are all investing $225 billion in near-term money in EV battery technology. So that's been the decision that's already been taken and, and there's no moving away from that. So we just need the government to pick up that clear messaging, tell people that that's what's coming, explain it to them, communicate it clearly, uh, and that's really all that's required and we'll find the uptake will actually grow quite rapidly after that. Jane Hunter there, the CEO of Tridium which is based in Melbourne. Okay, to the Australian share market now, which uh, didn't do much. The S&P ASX 200 only up by 0.1% to 7,094.9 points. That's despite that lockdown, that seven-day lockdown announced in Victoria earlier today. For more on the market action, I spoke earlier with Henry Jennings from Marcus Today. Henry, uh, we know lockdowns impact businesses and, more importantly, sentiment. What do traders think about this Victorian latest lockdown and how has it been reflected in the share market? Uh, hi, Ricardo. Well, it was interesting, to be honest. Um, usually in the past, we've, we've seen the market have a little bit of a conniption on the back of these sorts of lockdowns, but maybe we're starting to get a little more used to it. In actual fact, the market did have a blip down initially, but has since pushed higher. And we're even seeing travel stocks like Webjet and Flight Centre actually pushing positively today. So it's, it's kind of maybe we're getting to the stage where we need to think about how we live with this in an economic sense. But the market certainly doesn't seem to have been disrupted by this latest lockdown anywhere near to the same extent as we've seen before. As I say, maybe we're getting a little bit more pragmatic in, in our approach. And maybe there is a certain amount of the devil you know is against the devil you don't know in terms of it's seven days and that will be it. And there's those, we can handle the snap lockdowns. It's I guess it's when you get the protracted ones with no definitive date for finishing that there could be a problem. So at the moment, certainly the market seems to be taking in its stride, but uh, it, it's one of those things that anything can happen. I guess if we saw more cases again tomorrow in Victoria, uh, that may upset things a little bit. Can we focus in on the banks now and the Commonwealth Bank? It held its, its investor day today. It's taking advantage yep. of the consumer data right rules, becoming the first of the big four banks to allow customers to view account info from different institutions uh, within its mobile app. How important is technological innovation to the banks moving forward? I think it's paramount, to be honest. I mean, the banks have to differentiate themselves somehow. Commonwealth Bank has been at the forefront of technology 
it's always been the bank that is seen as the most advanced in terms of the apps, in terms of its technology, in terms of its even its investment in Klarna, which is a buy now, pay later behemoth from Sweden. So Commonwealth Bank, very much the leader in this field, but it's all about loyalty and capturing that customer and being able to offer them something. This kind of data sharing is quite common in the UK. ING did pioneer it in the UK. So it's, it's not unknown, but Commonwealth Bank have stolen a march on their rivals here and it is all about loyalty and being able to offer a complete experience i guess in terms of that retail whether it's through uh, a buy now pay later offering whether it's through a credit card offering whether it's through smart apps budgeting payment systems commonwealth bank does tend to lead the other three and they follow one sector that seems to be doing well today um, is the lithium space, which is interesting because what we saw today is uh, electric vehicle fast charging company Tritium uh, getting ready for what could be a $2 billion NASDAQ listing in the US. So to what extent does it highlight the investment opportunities in this sector? I think there are a lot of investment opportunities in this sector. We're just seeing the beginning of the change in from petrol combustion engines and diesel combustion engines into electric vehicles. But this is just the beginning. It's all about battery technology and fast charging, especially for vehicles, is very much the key to electric vehicle acceptance. If you can charge quickly and you can charge for a long period in terms of kilometers that you've got it under your belt, that is fantastic. This company's been around for a while. We first started following them back in 2018, unlisted, but there are some certainly some spin-offs in terms of for companies that are listed on the Australian Stock Exchange. Not only that, of course, we do produce a lot of the raw materials that go into the electric vehicles, whether it be lithium, uh, carbon, uh, anything like that, copper, uh, etc. We do really lead the world in terms of producing those resources that are going into these new batteries. We're even at the forefront of new lithium sulfur batteries as well. Deakin University's just announced a breakthrough there in terms of that. And that could be the second generation, the next generation, if you like, of lithium batteries that uh, produce a very fast charge and also uh, a long range as well, which of course is Nirvana for uh, an electric vehicle company. And overnight we had Ford announcing an F-150, which is their biggest selling truck in the US. In fact, the biggest selling car in the US uh, was gonna be an electric vehicle, the Lightning, I think it is. And they've already got orders for 70,000 of those. So it's, uh, it's a massive market overseas and will be a massive market here. And I think we're at the forefront of some of the technology for sure. Henry Jennings there from Marcus Today. Now Australia's richest are getting even richer. The Financial Review's rich list has 111 billionaires on it, mining magnates. Uh, Gina Reinhardt and Andrew Forrest are at the top of the list. Uh, Gina Reinhardt worth $31 billion, an increase of $2 billion. Andrew Forrest, $27.2 billion, an increase of more than $4 billion, while the work-from-home revolution sped up by COVID has helped that Lassian office claim software co-founder Mike Cannon-Brooks at number three. He increased his worth by $3.25 billion to $20 billion. For more, I spoke with its co-editor, Michael Bailey. Michael, Australia's richest are getting richer. Why? Well, Ricardo, it's really this year, iron ore prices is probably the big driver. Um, you know, they recently nudged a record $240 US a tonne. Um, China can't get enough of Australian iron ore and it's going to take a few years for it to diversify the supply. So uh, iron ore has driven huge wealth increases at the top of the list. 
And then also technology, where Australia has some great global technology companies. Uh, and, and in lockdown, everyone was relying on um, technology a lot more from the likes of Atlassian with Mike Cannon-Brooks and Scott Farquhar and even Canva, who are really rocketed up the list this year with uh, Melanie Perkins and Cliff Obrecht. Um, so, yeah, it's been uh, iron ore and technology have been the two big drivers. And, of course, property roaring roaring along as well. I mean, everything's really roaring along at the moment with uh, very low interest rates. So it's, it's pretty uh, all boats lifted this year or most boats lifted. I guess it's quite broad, but how has COVID impacted the fortunes of our richest people? Absolutely. Well, yeah, positively and negatively. Uh, on the positive side, yeah, you have uh, companies like Atlassian, which uh, specialise in collaboration software. So that's been, you know, vital this year for people trying to work in t- remote teams. And then you've got Canva, again, helping uh, far-flung, you know, distributed companies now keep a, a unified look and feel. Uh, the, the retailers have come back probably or, or are doing better than we maybe maybe thought. So some of the big mall owners, um, you know, have sort of held steady since the last rich list six weeks, six months ago. They, they're still probably below their COVID, pre-COVID levels. But um, uh, And also we've seen, you know, car dealers, for instance, doing really well. Uh, you know, car sales have just roared back. So you've got guys like Nick Politis, who owns a lot of car yards in Sydney, doing very well, and uh, Neville Bertali, who owns a lot of car yards in Melbourne, off the rich list entirely last year, but this year back on just due to the, um, the re-rating of that sector. I guess the top of that list are names that we, we know and have heard about for a while. You're Gina Reinhardt, you're Andrew Forrest, you're Mike Cannon-Brooks, you're Anthony Pradham family, but what, what are some of the interesting new debutantes on the list? Yeah, there's quite a few uh, interesting new people. Uh, Lawrence Escalante is a great one uh, in Perth. He runs a uh, casino that uses quite a clever strategy to kind of get around the internet, uh, the ban on internet gambling in America. He uses a sweepstakes model that sort of complies with the law. And, you know, people bored in lockdown, that has absolutely been going off. And he's now worth over $2 billion. It's the highest debut ever, I would imagine, on the rich list, in the rich list history, just because that is just creaming off profits and, you know, with very low, very low costs. Um, we've got um, two guys in Melbourne who are really interesting uh, from Black Magic Designs, Grant Petty and Douglas Clark. They founded that in 2001, uh, and it's become a phenomenon, really. Uh, it was used, it's been used for a long time in a lot of Hollywood movies. They make cameras, they make video production equipment, um, and, and it's you know, quite high end and quite low cost. They're capable of making it quite cheaply. Uh, and so that's just uh, really taken off among all the YouTubers and the TikTokers. It's become quite a thing. Um, to, to And, they, you know, you see debates a lot about what black magic gear they're going to use because it's, you know, it's, it's good quality stuff for an affordable price. So black magic designs, their revenue and profits have been going through the roof. Again, another great pandemic story and another big debut on the rich list for them. To what extent are women appearing on the list? Yeah, a really heartening thing this year is a record number of women on the rich list, 39 in all, our highest number ever. They're led by some great uh, debutantes as well. Uh, Tanya Austin, who's the wife of Nigel Austin, the founder of the Cotton On Empire. But she's uh, they've split and she's forged her own path with uh, DeCuba uh, fashion chain. 
Then we've got another great debutante, uh, Megan Wynn, who with her husband, Bruce Bellinge, has uh, founded the APM Human uh, Employment Services Group, which is going great guns. Then there's uh, Robin Denholm, the chair of Tesla, uh, you know, really probably there is a level head to kind of uh, <laughs> to cancel out uh, Elon Musk to some degree. Uh, and, uh, you know, she's been doing that for a while um, and, you know, has picked up some good stock options. Michael Bailey there, the rich list editor at the F- Financial Review. That is SBS on the Money for this Wednesday. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Business Ricardo. This SBS On The Money podcast is provided for informational purposes only. The content on this podcast should not be understood as constituting advice or a recommendation. It is not personal advice and does not consider your personal circumstances or objectives. You should contact a licensed professional before making any financial decision. (laughs) 